I'm not a preacher, and I'm not drunk. I'm just a politician. Everybody, come out of your houses. Clarence Hillian is going to make you a super human being. Welcome back. I can't believe it's the seventh episode of Crackpot Cinema. Uh, you know, I thought, I, like, I really don't like the name Crackpot Cinema, but I, I guess we're, we're stuck with it because we're uh, we're an institution already. Uh, yeah. I was thinking, you know what would have been a good name? The Broken Bijou. That's Would you good. want to change it to The Broken Bijou? Nah. I, I, now I'm stuck, I, huh? I like the, and I like the K sounds, you know, Crackpot. Yeah, yeah. That's the, you Yeah, know. you're right. No. The comedy rule, if you got to choose, you go with the K sound. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, oh, yeah. Who are we? I'm uh, Mike McPadden. I'm the author of Teen Movie Hell and Heavy Metal Movies. I'm in Chicago. Joining me from Los Angeles is... Aaron Lee, uh, comedy writer and producer for shows like Family Guy and Superstore. And stuff like that. Fabulous. Yeah. And so so uh, we were going to have uh, Alan McDonnell guest, but uh, the plague has uh, befouled our plans as it has befouled so much of existence at the moment. But he's doing so, okay, Alan. He's, oh, he's no, doing Alan is great. Yes, no, right, no, he's right. great. Yes, but yes. Uh, we will have Alan. No, it's a purely a technical issue. Right. Um, so we will have that worked out. So we uh, came up with, this was, a, this was a topic Aaron and I have been wanting to cover for a long time, which is uh, adult books of the 1970s. And by that, I mean uh, the... Saucy paperbacks, the things you'd see advertised in the TV Guide book club uh, fold out in the middle of each uh, TV Guide, and the ones that would have the little box on it that would say, warning, sexually explicit. So we wanted to do movies based on those. And of course, the giants of the genre were Harold Robbins, Sidney Sheldon, Judith Krantz, Jacqueline Suzanne, and Jackie Collins. So uh, this week, we're going to uh, talk about... Uh, and they've all had uh, movies made and, and TV movies and TV miniseries and all kinds of media adapted from their work. But this week we're going to start uh, with uh, two gentlemen of letters, Howard Robbins and Sidney Sheldon. We're going to do The Betsy from 1978, a terrific Harold Robbins film, and uh, Bloodline, Sidney Sheldon's Bloodline from 1979. So... Um, and, and don't you think in this genre, Mike, the word that always comes up, like when I was Googling reviews of these movies from the past or these authors, the word is always trash. Trash. Like, trash. It's always yeah. described as trash. Good it, or it, bad. That could be praise and that could be uh, damnation. Trash. Yes. And a lot of discussion about, yeah, that's the ultimate insult is this isn't even good trash. It, it's, right. You always yeah. have to make that disclaimer. So, yeah, good trash does this and this doesn't even do that. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, so they really are uh, the kings of, of trash. They are, yes. Um, so, you know, we have our thumbs up, thumbs down variation this week. So I was thinking, how about <laughs> smut or butt? So Ooh. smut is good, butt is bad. I love that. That's great. Okay, I'm going to tell you mine. I'm going to tell you mine. I've This is an emotional one this week. I actually did, did not go with the, the shit joke out All of right. tribute to the great Mort Drucker. Who we just oh, lost? Oh, here we go. Mad yeah, Magazine's Mort Drucker, the yeah. king of the movie characters. Yes. I was really thinking about it. Maybe one of the two greatest, in my opinion, it might be Jack Davis and Mort Drucker, the most I would influential. Agree. Yeah, 
And yeah. so mine was, so for Mort Drucker, as tribute, it was paperback or paper blech. <laughs> for, like for Mort. It. I like it for Mort. Um, I'll, but I I'll let you decide. I like smutter right. butt, too. I'm going to say smutter butt just because it's punchy. Okay, smutter butt. Smutter butt it but, is. Uh, and, I like and, you tipping your hat. Yes. And, to the uh, great Mort Drucker. Yeah, and and rest in peace, Mort Drucker. God, I he he didn't do either of these movies too. How great would that have been? I know. Well, like I don't think they were popular enough. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah, I did see an article, and I will post it online. It said it was a history of Mad Magazine nude scenes, uh-huh. and it was all more. It was a it was a tribute to Mort Drucker when he would like his saucy, like so it was like The Godfather and yeah. uh, Billy Jack and. Uh, I do not remember this, but do you remember in Undressed to Kill, they uh, showed he he drew Angie Dickinson's butt like the whole butt was in there. I remember I remember numerous whole butts in Mad Par- like occasional just, whole o- butts. occasionally yeah not often uh, but it's the famous cover with the suntan with the with the uh, tan lines. Sure, there's with the kids um, uh, shower, showering at camp, and Alfred has the reverse tan lines on his butt. Yeah, <laughs> there's uh, one of my favorites. I was always obsessed with this kid was. When the nudity trend hits the comic strips. Remember oh, that yes. one? Yes, that I do. Was a yes, classic. the nudity trend, yes. That was great. And and I feel like I have an image in my head of a Mort Drucker, Ally McGraw, like maybe like a Portnoy's complaint or Goodbye Columbus with a with they like definitely a, did good, they did goodbye Columbus yeah it, yeah maybe that but but anyways yeah I think he would yes I think that's a boy that's a that's a fascinating I want to see that post I want you to post that that's yeah great. I'll, I'll I'll send that to you so um so smart or but so let's talk a bit about before we get into the movies let's talk a bit about these books and the phenomenon of adult books in the 1970s oh also I want to say uh the quality of the podcast last week, audio-wise, was phenomenal. It was just, it was quadraphonic. Mm-hmm. And we want to thank Ben Reiser of uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, thank you so much, Ben. And he's uh, just just blowing out all the jams. So, And I want to you- apologize for ruining the quality of six, <laughs> the previous five episodes before that by rustling my papers directly onto the mic causing a whooshing sound that uh <laughs> that ben uh identified and uh saved us from so thanks like for like a physician like an audio physician he yeah. went in and found the problem people were assuming we were eating chips which is not certainly not beyond <laughs> yeah <laughs> the realm of possibility no 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 why not yeah so, um, so I mentioned those authors: Howard Robinson, Sidney Sheldon, Judith Krantz, Jacqueline Suzanne, and Jackie Collins. Uh, Erica Young would be the feminist version oh, of them, yeah. with uh, 1973 novel *Fear of Flying*. And do you remember the uh, the phrase that *Fear of Flying* contributed to the culture we grew up in? The, the zipless fuck, right? <laughs> the zipless fuck. The zipless fuck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you know what the zipless fuck is? It's like dry humping or something, right? No, that's what I thought. No, that's what I meant, thought. No, it meant like the completely guilt-free, oh, like okay. uh, fuck for fuck's sake that for a woman to have. And the zipless was that it was so natural that their pants, their zippers just open like rose petals. It said, okay. and it was like that was the goal was to have the zipless, like kind of the equivalent of like gay cruising for women. 
Okay. Would be the right. zipless fuck. I dig that. And, uh, did, did you read Fear yeah, of Flying? Yeah, I really dig it. You, no. No, yeah, I never actually read the whole book. I would like to. Uh, no, but I certainly... Uh, it had a very... Uh, Provocative cover, as I recall, it was just sort of a nude woman's body. <laughs> I certainly flipped through it whenever I saw it on a newsstand or anything. I, I think the the big one for me that way with the provocative cover that was in my parents' house, and you you would uh, be read it and, and whenever you could was a uh, was Wifey by Judy Bloom. Wifey by Judy Bloom, which I did read. Yeah, me too, me too. Yeah. And and her and I guess her attempt to enter that market. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I remember that had a similar cover to Fear of Flying, even. It, well, yeah, it was just sort of cleavage. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then Judy Bloom also had Forever, which was like her like one, her next step up after Are You There, God? It's Me. Right. In those books. Yeah. Right. And that had actual like sex scenes. That certainly yeah. made its way around the schoolyard a few times. Do you remember the TV Guide ads with the books, the book clubs? Yes, but I don't remember the sexually explicit disclaimer oh you're God. talking about. And I, I love that. That's great. Completely obsessed. It was always Scruples by Judith Krantz. Scruples, yeah. <laughs> and Little Birds, Erotica by Anais Nin. Oh, wow. Scruples, They did they make a miniseries of that? They certainly did, yes. Yeah, right. Okay, yeah. Who, who was in it? Do you remember? I don't, but I remember Lace with uh, Phoebe Cates. Yes, yeah. And her big line, and that was, all right, which one of you bitches is my mother? That's right. Oh, God, that, yeah. that made people's heads explode then. Yeah. That's a and I was very happy because uh, Lace went up against, on ABC, went up against the uh, CBS premiere of Star Wars. And the next day in the newspaper, in the TV section, it said, ratings, Lace blows Star Wars out of the sky. Wow. And good. I was, I was even as a young man, I was only like fourteen or something. I was thrilled by that. Yeah, good for you, Phoebe Cates. <laughs> so, uh, and then a little bit uh, saucier, we get the sensuous woman by Jay. Do you remember that from nineteen sixty nine? Yeah, and there it was like the sensuous woman and, and the sensuous man, right? Also, sensuous man by M in nineteen seventy one, and right. then it was. <laughs> Hang on to this. Hang on to yourself here. The sensuous, dirty old man by Dr. A, who was actually <laughs> Isaac Asimov, socking it to the whole trend. That's great. I never knew that. He, yeah, he must was, have been some swinger, dirty old man, right? Like, you think with those so, with those mutton chops, please. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I used to have uh, two vinyl LPs, Mike, uh, the sensuous black man and the sensuous black woman. Which were oh, yeah. secretly Rudy Ray Moore, Dolomite, right. and Lady Reed recording them. And were they funny or were they? Uh, no, no, they were. They were sensuous. Um, no, they were the they were the equivalent of those books on record. Like yes, they were sensuous. Right, yes. they were sensuous. So you learned how to become who you are today. Yes, from Lady Reed. I, I, I yes, that's woman. why I am a sensuous <laughs> black woman today. That's right. And then we should talk uh, a bit about. Uh, <laughs> a tome that damaged an entire generation called The Joy of Sex by Dr. Alex Comfort. Yeah. Really more for the illustrations than uh, anything written inside it. Yes. Some of the hairiest illustrations ever. <laughs> really? A book. Wonderfully realistic uh, pencil and watercolor. They should have. sex. Yeah. They should have had, like, pubes of fabric like a, one of those kid kid touch books <laughs> yeah, you should have right, been able like to that. rub your hand over the you know yeah i all think the hair. You know, i i think i had that sensation even though it was just a, a flat drawing 
Wow. It just it was, I was so centralized by it. You, you want um, to talk about a book that fucked up a generation? I don't even want to talk about this book because I don't yeah. want to send people to Google it. But yeah. at the same time, a joy of sex. You had a a kids book, a hippie kids book called oh. Show Me. Show me that is yeah, notorious that my Lord. parents had in the house. So it's like here's how You're you teach kidding. kids. This wow, so so intense. That was just all. It's like photos, like black and white, essentially yeah. hardcore photos and naked. Kids. And listen, kid, okay, people, do not Google. Show no, me. do not. No, <laughs> do not. Because if, trust if me. like ever you're crossing a border and then somehow somebody gets into your laptop, yes, yeah, do not. I never saw that book anywhere outside of Hustler magazine. Did a did a little feature on it. Yeah, my hippie parents had it. No, they they that was like it. That was uh that was. It was from like parenting. Denmark or some like you know lawless place like that. Yes, that's right. I mean, it was in English, but yeah. Yes, yes, yeah, but I mean, but that was the origin of it. Oh God, it was insane. Yeah, and the joy of sex, of course, was made into a movie uh, by Martha Coolidge in 1984, which is not good. Uh, in between her two great uh, teen movies, Valley Girl in 83 and then Real Genius in 85. But it was there was a long struggle to get the joy of sex made into a movie. And, and it's a sex manual for a hippie, you know, with this hippie couple. And also has a, a phrase that has... Do you know the phrase that I'm going to bring up? Ooh, no. It was something... Okay, the, the subtitle is For Special Occasions. Okay. Sauces and pickles for special occasions. Oh yeah, right. So that yes. disgusting. So I've always wanted to do like a podcast or a book or something about like the inappropriate sexualization of childhood in the seventies, and that would be the the uh, name of it would be sauces and pickles. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> it could be a whole other podcast. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. Um, and. So it was uh, because they thought the name was so hot, joy, the joy of sex. Uh, it was in development forever. At one point, John Hughes of National Lampoon had written a script for it and that John Belushi was going to be in uh, right before he died. And apparently in the book Wired, so, you know, take that with a grain of uh, cocaine and heroin. Um, he was freaking out because it was going to be sort of like a Mads uh, cradle to grave primer. It was going to be a whole this guy's whole life played by Belushi, and he was going to start as a baby in diapers. And apparently, he was like calling Bernie Brillstein, like they're going to put me in diapers, and having to go, you know, shoot up with uh, in the Chateau Marmont. But uh, that never came to be. And then Charles Grodin took a crack at it and gave up on it. And then he. Uh, Turned that his attempt to turn the joy of sex into a movie into the movie Movers and Shakers, which we want to do at some point, which was essentially sounds to me like it was completely ripped off by adaptation, uh, the same type of movie. And then it finally was made into this teen sex comedy with uh, very little sex and a lot of unfunny comedy in it. And so uh, a couple of more books here I want to get to. The Height Report. Do you remember that by Sheer Height? Yeah, right. I never, I don't know that I ever oh, got my hands dope. on that. That was like blistering. That, thing. <laughs> that was like the hottest thing you could ever imagine. Yeah. That was, it was just her like, you know, she did like interviews and surveys. with her. So I'd be like, oh, so what's your sexual fantasy? Like, you know, what's the thing you've done that you feel guilty about? And it was just, you know, came out in 1976 when I was seven or eight years old and I, uh, Somehow got my mitts on it. And then even more berserk was the height report on men and male sexuality in 1981. Um, 
And then finally, Our Bodies Ourselves by the Boston oh, Women's yeah. Health Book Collective. Your mother must have your, your sure. hippie parents must have had totally. that, right? Yes. And, you know, and it's funny because I always get confused in my head. Did Studs Terkel do a sex book? Did You know, I don't know. He must have. I mean. I'm trying to remember because I always get confused if it was Our Bodies Ourselves or if it was a Studs <laughs> Terkel book. But there was a, Fucking there was a Studs survey. Studs Terkel. There was a survey of men that, that, like, I read as a kid. This has always stuck with me, reading this as a kid. It yeah. said, like, uh, it said, like, uh, it said something like, 65% of men say an erection is not necessary for orgasm, but it is preferable. <laughs> and, <laughs> and even as a kid, I was like, what? what's going on with 65% of men? Really? How are they doing that? Like, that, I, that's always stuck with me. That but, seems like a joke from laughing. I know like for the the adults only version that they shot for themselves. <laughs> yes, I know. Like you and can that, see Dick just, Martin saying that, or like you know Dan Rowan and then Dick Martin doing like the double take and totally pulling the fickle finger for a fade out of his ass. No, it was a real <laughs> statistic. God, I, I anyways, yeah, that's a, that's haunted me forever. Wow. I hope our but listeners I, will share if they. Agreed. Yeah, please. Let's do an informal poll of our <laughs> listenership. Men. <laughs> I don't yeah, know if we I have any to... male listeners. I know mostly women yeah. listen to the podcast. But... <laughs> uh, yeah, Our Bodies Ourselves, I used to read. Uh, I would, like, volunteer. My I spent summers on the Jersey Shore at my grandmother's house. And if my mother was going to the Bradley's department store, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm going. I'm going. And uh, I'd go into their book section and read Our Bodies Ourselves. And uh, I especially like the chapter called In America, with a K, they call us dykes. That oh. was all about lesbianism. Oh, wow. And, and then, like, part of my shtick, like, in the 90s, after I started publishing, people like, well, like people say to me, like, like, who's your favorite author? I would say the Boston Women's Health Book Collective. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah, it was good. I was funny. <laughs> so, all right, the Betsy. Right away, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say on both these movies, smut. I really I enjoyed this. This is the most fun I've had watching movies for the podcast That's good. overall. Um, you know, both terrible, both great, both fun, both deadly boring, both thrilling. Uh, so that's my take going in. You want to play your hand up front? Sure, or? sure. I, I had a tough time. Uh, like. The, 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 I would say these really rode the line of smut or butt for me. Um, they were both, uh, they both had things I enjoyed watching. It was, yeah, it was to put, I, they, neither one of them was a good movie. No, um, no. I found both of them like pretty dull for long stretches and then it'd be kind of amazing again. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. It, it's, it's, I, you know what? Okay. I'll tell you what. Betsy, but uh, Bloodline Smut. I'm going to do okay. that. And, and, and like I said, it really could have gone either way in both. It, it, I, it could not be a more marginal win for Bloodline and a more marginal loss for the Betsy. Right. And I would agree with you. I would agree. Yeah, Bloodline was uh, the uh, the zestier of the two of them, for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know, and I kept coming down to I remember these movies vividly playing in theaters. Do you? You know, no, I don't. I, I do remember. I do remember the. I mean, I remember Betsy from the Golden Turkey Awards. Right. right. Um, is Bloodline in there? 
Uh, I don't Turkey? think it is. No, I don't think so either. Double check, but and I don't I'm think shocked so. it escaped. Uh, it seems like it yeah. would have been perfect for that. And I definitely remember them being on cable. I I, I remember yeah. their existence, but I don't. I, they they didn't make it to Jamestown, New York. The, no. And this is this is where our two year age difference in the '70s makes makes a difference because by the time the Betsy was out, I was nine, and I was obsessively reading the film section of the newspaper and every magazine review and stuff, and especially right. if it was something a little tantalizing like right. the Betsy yeah and uh, so yeah I remember them vividly I remember the bad reviews for both of them I remember the ads and everything and uh, you know and I remember Harold Robbins and uh, I, I did a bunch of research did you look into his life at all before this or? yeah yes he did have a pretty crazy life uh, yeah completely amazing yeah uh, labeled the, by the New Yorker the dirty old man of American letters yeah uh, Best, one of the best-selling authors of all time, reportedly selling more than 750 million books. And I got to say, if if you based it on my memory of just existing and going to people's houses, the, I, the number holds up. Totally. And and my and by the way, it was a surprising thing for me with both of these movies and, and reading about Robbins and Sidney Sheldon. I did not know those books were as smutty as they were. I didn't know they were as explicit as they were, and that kind of surprised me. I, I I probably would have been trying to read them more as a kid, you know. Yeah, oh, um, I definitely did. I definitely would would flip through all of these and uh, find find the the good parts. I would, you know, as I would later do at Mister Skin, fast forward to the good parts right. from the front cover. Yeah. I did find, like, just as an example, I did find a passage from the Betsy online that cracked me up. I'd, I'd, I'd love to read. If Please. You, if you That's it what was, we're here for. Well, the, the Betsy is the story of uh, a, a Henry Ford kind of car manufacturer trying to make, and this is one of the hilarious things about it, trying to make a 1970s economy car so basically yeah. it's a bunch of high drama about like we need our pinto we need our gremlin <laughs> like it's yeah. fucking hilarious it, it, like yeah. that that's what it's about but uh his name is uh hardeman and right. in, in this passage um this passage uh hardeman howled as he stood from his desk growing red with anger we can't touch the gremlin at a thousand dollars they're beating us before we move an inch on price Duncan, the chief engineer, paled and said, We tried, sir, and we just can't do it and keep the air conditioner in the Betsy. That's the name of the car they're creating. Hardeman seemed to swell, and Angeline, forgotten in the corner for now, qu quietly lit a cigarette. She lifted her drink to hide her expression. Her loins gushed at the sight of Hardeman and his <laughs> anger, and she hated him so much. She quickly sat down and thanked the gods again that Naugahyde wouldn't show the wet spot. But her tightening nipples were impossible to hide in the sheer dress. <laughs> Why did her body always betray her? Hardman threw his whiskey glass across the room where it shattered against the oak paneling. I won't build a car without air conditioning, goddammit. You're fired, Duncan. I'm tired of hearing how we can't beat the gremlin. Somebody find me a man who can get things done. <laughs> the gremlin? <laughs> the gremlin. That's so funny. It's because so stupid. One of the funniest things about the movie is that they actually they shot like on the AMC test track using amc cars which are the archetypal ugly 70s cars yeah the pacer the gremlin and yeah. uh, i can't remember what the other one and the betsy itself just looks like shit when they're driving it around 
Yes, and I, I just, like I said, I did not know, right, and I just didn't know it was so smutty that it's like, we'll interrupt a boardroom oh, scene to describe yeah. a gushing vagina. <laughs> like, yeah, just, oh, that's what, it's exactly what those books are, yes. Yes, it's, yeah, so quite hilarious and, and does make me want to read a, a bunch of Harold Robbins. Yeah, well, I will say, I'm going to share a little personal anecdote, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, i take you back, ladies and gentlemen, in 1993, 94. Uh, early 94, I think. Uh, before I met Aaron in person, uh, we had been uh, zine publishers. We were communicating by mail and talking on the phone a lot. And uh, I was working at Hustler, and for their April 1994 issue, it was the 50th, uh, where, no, the 25th anniversary. What, what the hell anniversary would that have been? I guess 20th. It must have been the 25th. I think it was, maybe, maybe oh, it was. It was the 20th. Yeah. No, no, it was the 20th. It was yeah, the 20th. Maybe. Yeah. Coming up. And I interviewed him for the 20th anniversary issue. And the fiftieth, jeez, yeah, he was working on it back in the forties. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, remember when he had the Eleanor Roosevelt uh, nude son? <laughs> oh my God, nude. Pitch? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was the twentieth anniversary, and uh, I interviewed Larry Flint, and he was telling me about his life, and he said how Robbins had been a good friend, and he uh, wrote a book that was based on Larry called "Dreams Die First that I had never heard of, That's and I told right. Aaron this on the phone, and then. Uh, just a couple of days later, in the mail, I got a copy of Dreams Die First from Lexington, Kentucky. That's pretty great. Yeah, I was... Aaron had sent it to me in the mail. And and how was the book? It was good. I read it. Yeah. Was it, it was... a guy from the, from the sticks, uh, a hillbilly who, you know, rises yeah, to the top? Yes, and... it was... Yeah, it was very marginally based on Larry Flynn. Okay. He ran Macho Magazine, which was the funniest part. Macho man, yeah, yeah, and, and and like everything, like you said, we can't beat the. It's like Macho was bigger than Playboy, Hustler, and Penthouse, which you <laughs> right. know, I always love. Yes, we we've talked about that when they sneak the fake one next to the real one that it's supposed to be, that which it's clearly they do based on in the movie. I like when uh, Betsy herself says, uh, "They're all monsters: the Chryslers, the Hardimans, the Fords." <laughs> yes. No, I think I've told you my all-time favorites are Murder, She Wrote, which would yes. always be topical. Yes. At, like, that had their shock jock, their long, curly-haired shock jock guy <laughs> saying, how are we doing? We're beating Howard Stern in the ratings? Great. <laughs> like, yeah. And then Donnie Most as the shock metal rocker who bit the head off a bat saying, I'm the wildest thing since Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one where there was a, a sitcom about young people in New York called Buds that was be beating friends in the radio. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's great. Yeah, that's always good. So, um, yeah, so so Howard Robbins, just uh, an amazing Hollywood reporter profile that I'll post on our website and online. Um, apparently, you know, an epic liar and made up incredible stories about his life. Uh, Grew up, his parents were uh, well-off Russian immigrants, um, and he said he grew up in a Catholic orphanage. He may have been a uh, illegitimate son of Tsar <laughs> Nicholas. That's great. And uh, here's from the profile. It says his ex childhood exploits included fetching cigars for Lucky Luciano, delivering cocaine to Cole Porter, and jerking off men in movie theaters for money. <laughs> Jeez. At 15, he ran away and joined the Navy, where his submarine was hit by a torpedo, and he was a lone survivor. Uh, his first wife was a Chinese chorus girl at Billy Rose's Diamond Horseshoe, and she died from a parrot bite. Oh, that was lies. <laughs> it's pretty it's great. great. Love uh, it. Apparently, yeah, though, he did, he did throw the wildest parties in Hollywood history in the 60s and 70s, so you can only wow. imagine. Yeah, I'll bet. 
And Larry Flint himself is quoted in the story. Um, he said, first time I went to a party at his house, I won't do the voice, <laughs> there was a huge silver bowl on the table. There must have been 50 pounds of cocaine in it. I had never seen that much cocaine in my life. And then he also said, I got to go to some of the orgies. It was the stuff you read about, but never think you're going to get to experience. This is Larry Flint saying that. Yeah. Yeah. And these these are just, uh, and this is great. Uh, an interviewer asked Robbins uh, what his the greatest compliment he ever got was, and he said, you were a great fuck. He said, what's the worst insult? You were a lousy fuck. <laughs> and then he also met John Steinbeck once, and he said, what did you talk about? What, we didn't talk about writing. He said, what did you talk about? Cunt. Oh, God. That's always true. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, yeah, so he started writing The Carpetbaggers was uh, his best-selling book, a huge, uh, you know, massive millions of copies sold, turned into a blockbuster 1964 movie uh, against a $3 million budget. The Carpetbaggers grows $40 million, so in 2020 dollars, that's a budget of $25 million and a gross of $333 million. Um, but he still never scored like Peyton Place. In terms of a movie, hmm. like in terms of a real cultural defining movie based on his work. The other best known one is uh, The Lonely Lady from 1983, starring Pia Zadora. That's a personal favorite. And boy, yeah, does I it mean, and that's up. just that's just for us. I mean, oh, that's so for us. great. Oh, my and God. we will pair that next award season with the Oscar. We'll do a oh, special that's episode. Great. Oh, God. That one two that. punch. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just rewatched Lonely, Lonely Lady not too long ago, and it was just great. It was better than I remembered it, and yeah, I remembered it too. being the best. Yeah, yeah I watched fine. it recently too. Uh, but so, so still, even though the Carpetbaggers was this big deal, that seemed somehow like old Hollywood. And the Betsy, to me, seems like the best remembered of his movies. And he said it was actually the best adaptation of any of his books. Yeah, I, I saw that. I saw that quote. Yeah, have you seen Carpetbaggers? No, 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 I want to now. Yeah, yeah, me too. And uh, and all his books, I know his movies always got terrible reviews, but uh, the people spoke with their uh, with their pocketbooks and their crotches, apparently. Yeah, I so, mean that is uh, the interesting thing about this stuff is the idea that like, well, this was populist entertainment. I mean, he, yeah. he you know, which makes you think about the trash label too. Like, sure. yeah, he had his finger on what people wanted, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and, and where and, they wanted it, yeah. And and also just like from this movie, me watching it, part of it was that it has Kathleen Beller, who I guess went on yeah. the Dynasty. But, uh, but like, yeah, this was shows like Dallas Dynasty. This was a very you know seventies yeah. take on what what rich people are up to. Yeah, yeah. So uh, director Daniel Petrie directed Mousy, which we reviewed on the Crackpot Kirk Douglas episode. <laughs> Uh, he also did the landmark miniseries Sybil with uh, Sally Field. Wow. Multiple split personalities. And I, I, God, Sybil stuck with me for years. Jesus, like, that was a childhood trauma. Mousy, you know, Mousy, like we said, pretty, pretty stylishly directed. Yeah. Sybil, yeah. I, I don't know how it hold up now, but certainly had a lot of impact. And like I said, the Betsy to me, in terms of especially the way it's directed, it's, it's pretty limp, you know? Yeah, it's, I would agree. Yeah. Everybody's kind of half asleep, and yeah, it's it's one of those. Yeah. Uh, his other movies, Buster and Billy, uh, which is a uh, Bonnie and Clyde knockoff with J. Michael Vincent. I always thought that was a pretty good movie. 
which was co-directed without credit by Sidney Sheldon. Just a little oh, wow. weird tie-in. Lifeguard with Sam Elliott, which is a movie I love. Uh, Resurrection from 1980 with Ellen Burstyn, which I, I feel like that was almost a CM to use yeah. uh, Peary's little guidebook in the back of uh, Guide for the Film Fanatic. Fort Apache, The Bronx, which I loved. Six Pack with Kenny, the late, great Kenny Rogers. Yeah, another one. Uh, that was a film I became obsessed with because I had it on uh, VHS before we had cable in Brooklyn. <laughs> and uh, and then The Betsy. So uh, you couldn't have more of an all-star cast, I don't think. Lawrence Olivier, Bobby Duvall, uh, Tommy Lee Jones, Joseph Wyman, Skinny Edward Herman, Catherine Ross, Leslie Ann Down, Jane Alexander, and as Betsy... Kathleen Beller. So, did you watch Dynasty? No, I didn't. I saw a lot more Dallas than Dynasty, honestly. All right, I saw the first, like the first, like eighty-one to eighty-four, like those first three years of Dynasty. I fucking loved it, and she was Kirby on okay. Dynasty, and she was so hot. And yeah, so then she's, she's in this movie, and God, she is gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, the heroine of The Sword and the Sorcerer, which I, is a movie I always liked. I liked that, too. Yeah, that yeah. was a cable favorite. Yeah. Albert Payune and uh, Lee Horsley as uh, Talon. Uh, Conan the Barbarian movie uh, ripoff that grossed more in theaters than Conan the Barbarian. Something I learned while writing heavy metal movies. Oh, wow. Yeah, I had no idea. I was I was looking that movie up, and I haven't seen it since since you know 1985 on cable or something. Yeah. But uh, I had no idea it was such a hit, and uh, and they did a sequel. Pion did a sequel to it in yeah. like 2008 or something. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. He also, you know, weirdly, he did a sequel to Streets of Fire with Michael Paré, an unofficial sequel. That's completely bizarre. <laughs> I know. We should, That's... you know, we should we should probably pair yeah. those and watch them. Yeah. Oh, that'll that, be that'll be a death dreadful yeah, week. Yeah, we're gonna insist. You know what? That's <laughs> oh. gonna be a Patreon episode because you're gonna have to pay us to do it. And I'll one. tell you right now, Piyuke. That's that's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> He's my friend on Facebook. Nice. Friend. Oh, sorry, sorry, friend of the show. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't know. He's tell my the guy on Facebook. <laughs> Great. Uh, Love since everybody. 1988, uh, Kathleen has been married to Thomas Thomas Dolby, and they have three kids. I like that. I like that guy. So uh, the movie opens with Lawrence Olivier as uh, auto tycoon Lauren Hardiman Sr. So I'm already and, thinking the name Hardiman. So it's like Hardy Man, Hard Man. And and can I just say, Mike, I, I'm not an Olivier guy. I'm never I'm really? never thrilled to see him. Okay, I, I gotta admit he's not. He's it never just never been up my alley. Uh, not, well, what uh, what specifically brought you down? I don't know. And I was thinking about it watching this one. How I was like, he seems he's playing a doddering old man, and he yeah. genuinely seems like a doddering old man. In this, so I guess he is doing a great job. But yeah. uh, I I hate to admit it's just I've never connected with Olivier and gone like, oh, so thrilled to see him. I mean, I, I, all right. I was, ever you know, since I'm I was a kid, to, I ever, have an interesting an interesting take on that because we watched Henry V in school and I thought it was awesome. Um, that would I mean, helped. growing up and I mean his seventies movie, you know, he, the Marathon Man and the Boys from Brazil are like so near and dear to my heart. Yeah, that's funny. Those movies were like a chore for me as a kid. Like I saw them and saw them on cable, and I was interested right. and. And it, yeah, for it, it was always like, ah, oh, this is homework. Even the boys from Brazil. Even the boys from Brazil. I'm wow. sure if I sat and watched it now, I would really enjoy it. But oh yeah. man, 
Even when he and uh, Gregory Peck get into the, like the world's most hilarious elderly man <laughs> you touchdown know, at the <laughs> we were talking about it Kirk Douglas week too. Like I get yeah. I get a similar like creeped out thing, you know, from Kirk Douglas. So yeah. Yeah. yeah it's just more about my childhood, I think. I all right, I understand. I mean, you know, I know he's also in the jazz singer. He was the, the rabbi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> and then he was in Inchon, which is also going to come up later when we talk about the next movie. That's right. Which I've never seen. I've not seen one second of Inchon. Have you? Inchon, to me as a kid, was the ultimate, like, I don't want to watch this. Like, oh, fuck, <laughs> this thing's on cable? Oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'll watch anything on cable. Anything but, yeah, but that. Yeah. Anything but yeah. Inchon. Yeah. So we should give a little background. Inchon was like the most expensive bomb of all time. Like, uh, but you never heard about it because it, 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 it was funded by the Reverend Sun Young Moon and the Moonies. And uh, it's a World War II drama with Larry Olivier as uh, MacArthur. And it was a super mega bomb. But now I kind of want to see it because Rex Reed is in it playing a character. That's great. Named Longfellow. Like he has some hilarious name, like Longfellow. Um, but yeah, I, the prospect of this is it. I think we found it. We found the way we're going to get the Patreon to start paying for things. We're going to put up these titles to force people that people could pay to watch us, uh, pay <laughs> yeah. for us to watch. I'm also very intrigued by uh, Olivier as Rudolf Hess in The Wild Geese 2 from 1985, wow. which I've never seen. Yeah, no, I don't know anything about that. Wow. That seems like a movie that like would only play like in like Thailand or something like yeah. that. You know? <laughs> yeah. You really just kicked ass at the box office in the Philippines. Um, so Betsy, as played by Kathleen Beller, is... Uh, so his nickname is number one. She's his great-granddaughter. Uh, Bobby Duval is uh, Lord Hardiman III, who's the grandson of number one, Betsy's father. He runs Bethlehem Motors. He hates the old man. And Tommy Lee, Tommy Lee Jones is a race car driver and builder named Angela Perino. And number one hires him to build a new people's car, the Betsy that we talked about. Right. To compete with the gremlin. <laughs> And don't you think Tommy Lee Jones, you know, he's in young hunk mode here. Completely, and yes. he and that Tommy Lee Jones creepy intensity, you, you yeah. see why he did not become that. Well, I had the same thought with uh, when we reviewed Saturn 3 with Harvey Keitel. Like, yes. Why would they have ever tried to make these two actors leading men? Yeah. You know who Tommy Lee Jones reminded me in the in this Rocco Safredi, the porn star, <laughs> like wow. he is he, he like such a creepy vibe, you know, like and his sex yeah. scenes in this movie and, and Tommy Lee Jones has a bunch of sex scenes in this. He's yeah. like really shoving his tongue in there in people's mouths. Oh, like the it sex was, scenes are something else. It was kind of hard to watch. Yeah, I was like, yeah. Jesus, Tommy, pull back. <laughs> and there's one scene where like you think it's a, a nude woman's chest. Like you think it's a boob, like like she's like stretched out, like you know, kind of like all flat, and then it's like, oh no, it's it's the sensuous Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> sure, starting a close up of Tommy Lee Jones' nipple, of course. Yeah, yeah. Why wouldn't you? So then you got a power struggle at Bethlehem Motors between the great grandfather and the grandson, and uh, the son is dead, Lord uh, Hardiman Jr. Because as we learn in flashback, uh, he was a closeted homosexual and uh, his wife took comfort in the arms of uh, Lawrence Olivier, his, his father, 
and the young uh, boy, the third, Lauren, Lauren the third, uh, watched his father commit suicide with a gun and then ran upstairs for comfort and saw his grandfather and his mother in bed together. Which is a huge reveal twist in yeah. the like third act of the movie. Yeah. And I looked up Gene Siskel's review of this movie, which he hated and he just shit yes. on. B- bad yeah. trash. And he completely gives that away. And I was like, God, Gene, like even if you hate the movie, you don't have to. Yeah, Ebert did too. He was like, why does this bad taste see? And I was like, well, well all right. I guess but don't did, need to go see that now. <laughs> but I don't know if you looked up the whole Siskel review. Did you, what the movie no, it was paired with, no. his review? No, no. Okay, so he reviews the Betsy. He gives it like one star. It's right. paired with, uh, the review is paired with Emmanuel in Bangkok starring Laura Gemser. Uh, right. Also known as the the movie, also known as well, Black Manuel, yeah. which he gives two and a half stars. <laughs> he like he liked <laughs> he Laura Gemser yeah. a lot. He's like not a great yeah. movie, but really really enjoyed her. <laughs> yeah. So so you can see where uh, Siskel's priorities. If only were. she'd get together with Kathleen Beller for her next project. Yeah, yeah. He was not as thrilled by Kathleen Beller, I can tell you, but he was very impressed by Laura Gemser. Wow. All right, I understand that. She's a classy lady. Uh. And, you know, I do remember, I remember the, the bomb reviews, the turkey reviews. Uh, I just doing the research here. My favorite was, uh, we mentioned them a minute ago, Rex Reed. His quote, um, he said, uh, you know, it, it was uh, tempting to compare the Betsy to the Edsel from here till deadline. But uh, it's so numbingly obtuse, so bloatedly pretentious and awesomely corny. No capsule put down seems adequate. As Tennessee Williams might troll, it's about a lot of things, honey. Greed, <laughs> lust, vice, homosexuality, incest, suicide, murder, and putting on airs. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't read that as a bad review. <laughs> no, and I'm surprised these guys, I mean, I've got to say, like, I'm surprised these guys had such a strong reaction to it. I don't know. I guess it was the 70s. and But, but it... It, it it did, like I said, it's a little bit of a dish rag of a movie for the most part, you know? I, I would agree. And and it goes back to, like, you know, all these, and again, I, I try to say this every episode. I hate young people of today, all of them, every one of you, without exception. And one of their complaints, because they're so despicable, is about Siskel and Ebert, like, their dogs of the week were always these slasher movies. And it's like, because there were quality films sure. being made to compare them to, it wasn't like the, the, you know, it wasn't the horror show that we live in now. <laughs> and I don't even mean the plague years. This is actually an improvement because there hasn't been a fucking superhero movie this month. That's true. Um, so, uh, yeah. So I think if you had to sit through the Betsy after having just seen, you know, the Garden of the Finzi Cantinis or, you know, or whatever. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Or even like, you know, or Piranha or so, you know, like a, a B movie that they loved. Uh, I could see the Betsy kind of kind of bumming you out, ruining your day. But uh, not me. Not me. It brought a lot of sunshine to the plague home here in Chicago. And uh, it was smut for me all the way. Uh, Kathleen Beller, really just one of the one of my favorite ingenues of all time, uh, just from this movie, obviously. <laughs> and uh, that's it. The Betsy. I like it. I, you know, th- there was one thing I've got to say about this movie. Yeah. In, it, the people are kind of boring. The characters are kind of boring. 
It's a very realistic portrayal of rich people. And I I don't want to overgeneralize, but a lot of the rich people I've dealt with in my life are pretty boring. And and they do kind of it's it's not I was thinking how the modern equivalent of the Dallas dynasty. This thing is is maybe like a show like Succession, which which you and I have talked about. We both love. And but th- yeah. those are the smartest, funniest, most cutting, witty, rich people. This movie's right. a lot closer to the truth of the dullards who <laughs> make up the one percent. <laughs> and uh, you know, in general, and 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 I, I remember we were talking about Boom last week. We were kind of disagreeing. You saying it yeah. adds up to nothing, and I was saying no. I do think at this point. This movie, really, the end of the movie is yeah. Tommy Lee Jones replaces Robert Duvall as the faceless cog at the company, and he keeps fucking Kathleen Beller, who he was fucking at the beginning of the movie. Like, nothing happens. Yeah. Now, you, you do, but like, there's, it means nothing, <laughs> yeah. it adds, which in its own way is kind of an interesting statement about <laughs> this life and the pointlessness yeah. of it, but... uh but boy, oh boy, yeah, really, to me, just add up to nothing. But I got to say this, and, and this might be part of the tacky, campy thing to people, or but an amazing John Barry score. Great music. That I is, loved it. Yeah, I'm glad you brought yeah, that up. And it's, yeah, and it's really, and it's an interesting one, too, because it's basically like a dry run for his Somewhere in Time score, which I think is like his masterpiece. And it is the weird yeah. thing. I kind of felt this about Robert Duvall's performance too. Like Duvall is too good an actor and it's kind of off putting uh, around everyone else. It's jolting to have Tom Hagen from the Godfather. It's weird. And the score is too good. And it, it, it's like, you do get that, that feeling of like, it's like a fish wrapped in a lace doily or something. Like I I know that's, I know that's part of what, like it's a great score that should be on a great movie and it's, and it's not happening and it's, it's jarring. Yeah, and I, I yeah I did want to. Yeah, I'm glad you noted the Robert Duvall. It it's is jarring how because it's like he doesn't believe it, it, it. Like it hurts the movie in a weird way, you know? Yeah, yeah it does. It does. It takes you out. It's uh, it's yeah. It, it hurts. Yeah, it's like physically. Yes. Like, ow. Yeah. Ow. Um, I also had a note. How about uh, so among Tommy Lee's love scenes, how, the Leslie Ann down as Lady Ayers, uh, the blowjob scene was rather. Uh, yeah. Astounding! That was rather a confrontational. Yes. <laughs> I don't know what the word I, is. And we, yeah, and we really talked about something. this in 70s movies of this period. I didn't expect them to say fuck as much as they did. They say fuck a lot. Yeah. Um, and a how lot. hard yeah. did you crack up? I love the scene where they took the guy to the auto test center and killed him by rolling a car window up on his neck. <laughs> and he's like, ah, ah, he's choking. Like, I can't so move. stupid. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was the best. That was my favorite scene. That was the best scene. <laughs> yeah, I was, was dying. So... Oh, man. God. Yeah. No, I, I had a lot of laughs throughout this movie. Yeah. I, I had a yeah, good I get time that. I totally get that. And again, and I listen. I do not want to be the sensuous, dirty old man here that, that Isaac Asimov socked it to. But I, the the Kathleen Beller nude scene early on is really one of the old times. It, it like and shocking because it's like right out the gate. You're like, it, it kind of yeah. reminds me of what the great Lisa Carver from uh, Roller Derby Magazine when she used to complain about Nirvana yeah. songs. How like if you start that loud, what are you gonna? T- what are you going to do yeah. for the next three minutes? You, you know, and it kind of right, does remind right. me of that to have that nude scene right out, yeah. right off the, right out of the gate. You know, 
And uh, yeah, and it's <laughs> so, but we'll, we'll leave that there. And um, so, Betsy, I say, uh, I say, smut. Aaron says, yep. but, uh, and and you're kind of great totally. on the curve. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, okay. So let's uh, leap ahead one year to Bloodline, Sidney Sheldon's Bloodline. Uh, Sidney Sheldon had a very different life from Harold Robbins. He was uh, a very respected uh, man about Hollywood. Uh, won an Oscar in 1947 for writing The Bachelor and the Bobby Soxer. Created the Patty Duke show and I Dream of Jeannie, which I remember when I put that together when I was a kid, it, it blew my yeah. mind. I, I did not. Because he was the writer of dirty books yeah. in my head, yeah. Also created Heart to Heart, uh, which I didn't know till now, and that makes yes. more sense. And that was certainly a, that was a show I enjoyed throughout high school. I'd feel very uh, classy oh, on Tuesday sure. nights watching yeah. that. <laughs> Feeling like a self-made millionaire Jonathan Hart. Remember Mrs. H, she's gorgeous. The great Lionel Stander. Uh, his first novel, he didn't start writing novels till 1970, The Naked Face, was a very acclaimed book, was nominated for an Edgar Allan Poe Award. Uh, but his breakthrough was The Other Side of Midnight, which was the classic Al Robbins-style adult book, uh, you know, selling 10 billion copies. Made into a movie with Susan Sarandon in 1977. And that was a big hit, right? Uh, the, the movie? Yeah, the wasn't movie? it? It seemed to be. Uh, we'll probably get around to it at some point to do the research on it, but it seemed to be. It seemed to be inescapable. Let me it put seemed it to way. run for a long time in the theater, yeah. yeah. And, oh, you know what the story? I did I did read a little something about this. It actually was not because it was um, actually got fucked by Star Wars. Oh, okay. Uh, because 20th Century Fox apparently had no confidence in Star Wars. And they, uh, so they, they kind of used some muscle on theater owners and said, look, if uh, you're going to run the other side of Midnight, which is this, you know, great sex-packed R-rated movie, you got to take Star Wars. So they're like, all right. And then when Star Wars, of course, came out and, you know, ruined society, but everybody was lined up to see it, uh, the theaters were then like, fuck you, we don't want the other side of Midnight. Uh. But I still I remember it being like on Marquis forever. Yeah, I, was I just I guess I just assumed yeah. it had been a hit because it just seemed to be yeah. around so much when I was a kid. But the book was such a huge hit that Paramount paid uh, 1.25 million for the rights to Bloodline before the book even was finished, uh, and gave 10 percent of the gross to uh, Sidney Sheldon, and then the movie bombed. And I read that um, was a record at the time. That was that was beaten yes, by yeah. the island. Peter Benchley's The Island. Yeah. For too many, and <laughs> yeah. I just want to quickly say The Island was a movie and a book that I never saw as a kid and fascinated and disturbed me. Like, what is the secret of the island? And and as a kid, I just assumed it's got to be cannibalism. It's got to be they eat people. That's be and I think it's just like, is it just kind of a rape revenge thing? I think it's pirates. pirates. Yeah, no, I don't know. Yeah, because I had the same thing. So it was Peter Benchley, hot off Jaws, and I remember the remember the cover, the, the knife book, coming out of the water, the hand coming out of the water with the knife had the tattoo on it, like going toward yes. the island. It was a great cover. And then the poster was the same thing, and I remember thinking like this, like I didn't care because there wasn't a shark. 
Like, you know, they couldn't that's hang the thing. anything that's on That's what it. you couldn't yeah. figure out. Like, so what is going on right. here? Because they're not saying there's a monster or there. Yes, exactly. And it didn't intrigue me because it's like if there's no shark, yes. like, you know, or a monster or something like, you know, all right. So it's just going to be an island. huh? Yeah. People are going to fight and stuff. And uh, and I, I remember uh, the movie, that movie coming out and bombing. Yeah. And not caring. That was one like I had no desire to see. Uh, so for uh, Bloodline, John Frankenheimer, the great uh, maker of uh, The Manchurian Candidate and other films, so was set to direct, but chose to do Prophecy instead, <laughs> the monster Good movie. Choice. God, they, I mean, you want to talk about just a piece of oh diarrhea. God. So boring, <laughs> yeah. And there's people, I know there's going to be, again, it's young people who are disgusting and horrible, who are going to, like, defend prophecy and say, no, this is a good... You know what? Not, I'm I'm, I'm going to go to bat. I'm going to say no young people will defend prophecy. I, I'm again, we'll, okay. we'll see. Young we'll, people, we let's hear see. from you. Contact Aaron Lee, who's not on <laughs> social right. media. I can hide from the, the wrath. <laughs> So, uh, director Terrence Young, uh, best known for three of the first uh, four James Bond movies, Dr. No from Rush with Love and Thunderball. Uh, the Poppy is also a flower he made, which we talked about as one of the United Nations movies. Wait Until Dark with Audrey Hepburn, which I feel like gets a little homage mm-hmm. here. The Klansman, which is a film we have to get to, uh, which will be part of the batshit Dick Burton episode, I guess. I mean, we could do an OJ episode. We could do so much with The Klansman. Uh, Cold Sweat, Red Sun, and the Veloci Papers with Chuck Bronson. The Amazons, a movie I've never seen. Have you? From 1973, billed as Terrence Young's The never, Amazons. No. And there was a sequel. It was like Amazons versus, like, I don't know, Mighty Men or something. <laughs> but uh, And then Inchon. He directed Inchon. And it was written by this screenwriter, Inchon. Uh, Laird Koenig, I saw. Oh, yeah. wow. Holy shit. Yeah, little team wow. there, who was the guy who wrote so, the book and screenplay for a little girl who lives down the lane with Jodie Foster. Well, that's a hell of yeah. a thing. Yeah. Damn. So, like, did the Reverend Moon see Bloodline and say, ah, that's, this is the answer the to our... That's, this is how I get into... This is how we, we infiltrate the Unification Church can, in Hollywood. Can we get the guy who's directing the snuff films in the movie? No? Okay, well, then get, then get the guy who made the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the opening credits are just variations on the movie's poster, which is just a moaning woman's neck with a red rope. Ro- Always blows my mind. Like, I was thinking yeah. how only 70s movies used to do that. We're showing the poster to be the credits. Like, and I was trying to yeah. think of one other example, and I couldn't, but always. Always weirded me out when that was. Does the Eyes of Laura Mars? Maybe, maybe. This movie reminded me a lot of Eyes of Laura Mars. It did, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why I brought it up. It came to mind, yeah. Um, Speaking of Eyes of Laura Mars, Tommy Lee Jones is the romantic lead in that. Oh, God. Yeah, but he's he's also. But there, at least, he does turn out to be the killer, right? Right. Yeah, like. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, yeah. But, um, uh, spoiler spoiler. alert. (laughs) But, uh, but, But, boy, another. Another killer score in this movie. This time, Ennio Morricone, yeah. who I didn't know, and I'm this giant Morricone fan, and I didn't know it was coming. Yeah. And it is one of those delights where I heard two seconds, and I was like, "Oh, it's a Morricone score!" And I got all excited. Oh, that's a great. great score. And, and I thought of like the orchestral part. I was like, "Okay, this is great. This is really good, Morricone." But then, 
out of nowhere, they go to the, the pill best. factory. It explodes into this Euro it's, disco where he's like saying like, he really is like saying like, hey, Giorgio Romero or Giorgio Moroder, take yeah, this. totally. Total Moroder yeah. ripoff thing. That's a great, yeah. I, I love that whole sequence. Yeah. It was crazy. It was, was amazing. Uh, so quite the cast here, Audrey Hepburn. And that was really, I guess, the selling point of the movie is Audrey Hepburn. Yes. And uh, this is, of course, the film where she met and began uh, allegedly an affair with Ben Gazzara that carried on all through They All Laughed, which we reviewed on our Ritter Me This episode. And this movie, by the uh, way, Audrey- I just have to say, like, it, to see them in this and then think about them and They All mm-hmm. Laughed, it really did drive home to me. When we talked about I, I liked They All Laughed more than you did. But but it, yeah. like it really drove home to me. They all laughed as how many years later? Just like uh, three years, years later. later. How two, two. utterly unique yeah. for its time that movie was and kind of fresh. Like to see them in this, which is the most kind of mainstream entertainment of that yeah. era. It really shows you how yeah. kind of quirky and unusual they all laughed was for that period. I, I and I agree. Um, I it just sort of baffled. Yeah. Me. It didn't uh, beguile yeah. me, um, but she does not. She does so not she, look like she's having a good time here, man. I gotta say, she does. She really no. She, she supposedly was not happy to be in the movie, and and she really looks it. She really looks bummed out, and yeah. And of course, it's the only R-rated movie um, starring Audrey Hepburn. And I'm always fascinated when like like old like like, like golden age Hollywood royalty made it to R-rated yeah. movies. Which didn't happen a lot, but that's why I'm like three quarters of the way through City on Fire on Amazon Prime, which is an R-rated disaster movie with Henry Fonda. And I was, and my joke, I think I did this last week, was like, hey, you assholes, we got to put out these fucking yeah. fires. But he doesn't say that, but I watch something and Ava Gardner goes, what the fuck was yeah. that? So that's the only reason it's rated R, I can tell so far. Well, another movie we talked about watching, and I know we will in the future, is The Fan with Lauren Bacall, like from from this yes, same yeah. same exact time. It must yeah. have been a must have been a weird time for the the golden age actors. Yeah, you know, to go yeah. okay, this is what yeah. we got to do. Yeah. Um. So, uh, so she Audrey Hepburn is the heir to the Roth Pharmaceuticals Empire, which is obviously based on the Bear. Aspirin Company, and her father is mountain climbing at the beginning. He gets and, shot and, you, and killed. And you know so. it is because she says, we're bigger than Bear. <laughs> yeah, Tylenol, right. Bear, Advil, all of them. Listen, Addison, <laughs> Roth, <laughs> Aleve. Uh, ben Gazzara is the, is the CEO. And he really, you know, Gazzara is like just, he's so he's effortless. So smooth. This, was Jesus really, Christ. The word is just why is effortless. why is there not shtick about him like there is about I don't know like Chuck Norris or uh, yeah he's so smooth <laughs> it, it's it yeah is, he's too I good guess so man. I guess that's yeah. it yeah he's did I did I ever brag once that I uh, I had lunch at Gino's restaurant while he no, was there I love that though yeah Gino's was a famous Italian restaurant on the uh, east side of Manhattan that had zebra wallpaper that's oh, what they were famous great. for that's where you want to see and, him. Uh, yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. So uh, the other board members. Uh, so so it's this family company, and the whole thing is, uh, you know, we don't let outsiders into the into the company. It's you know, what her father's motto was like: no matter how friendly the fox, don't let him in your hen house. 
But the board members, who are supposed to be her cousins, are like this hilarious, you know, rogues gallery of international types. So you have James Mason as a member of parliament, Omar Sharif and Irene Pappas as this hot-blooded Italian couple, and he has a separate family. And he's sort of—I gotta say—he was pretty funny. He was. Pretty That's hilarious. this whole sure. separate movie, this whole Italian sex yeah. comedy happening in the yes. movie, which is yeah. weird. Yeah. Yeah. In this thriller. And then uh, Romy Schneider is a race car driver, as Helene, the race car driver. But uh, so somehow they're all part of the the Roth family, and they all want her to sell the company, and she refuses to sell the company. So then someone is attempting to murder Audrey Hepburn the way that she, they murdered her father. Although mostly now, she's stumbling around accidentally getting hit by trucks and shit. She, most of the most of the jump scares are like, what, what? Pay, open your eyes, Audrey. Like, stop stepping in front of trucks and, and guys on snowmobiles. And, like, she's just stumbling around acting like, oh, someone's trying to kill me. Like, come on. But... The other so so that's one movie. Yes, within this movie. Yes. Then you have the Italian sex yes. comedy, which is a little movie. That's like a short. Then there is the flashbacks to the Polish ghetto, Insane. which started off so hilarious yes. because she's flipping through like the family photo album, which has all this calligraphy in it, and the photos are arranged like a fumetti, and they speak in voiceover. So it's like her grandfather, and or and it's like I'm going to become a great chemist no you will not marry my daughter she will marry the rabbi <laughs> my father won't let me marry you you're a peddler and so it goes on and then it just becomes like the full flat flashback to poland and the story yep. of the founding of Roth pharmaceuticals yeah it is then out of nowhere these guys are making snuff for movies. no reason <laughs> out of nowhere and and it's the most vile fucked up footage like it's it's really explicit and it's i mean i in its way it is spectacular oh these are amazing it's incredible scenes. they're unbelievable i mean like it's amazing the thought of like that you were going to see an audrey hepburn movie in 1979 yeah. they threw that in like there's these three snuff films they felt the yeah. need to do it's so and and you know the story when you read online is like oh Audrey Hepburn halfway through shooting realized they were doing the snuff thing and she was upset she wanted to walk but then she couldn't and when I, whenever I read that kind of thing I I always feel like that's got to be some ass covering after the fact like what Completely. you didn't read the script there's no way but you sign up for this except and not except that yeah. except that those scenes are so left field. They look nothing like yeah. the rest of the movie. I really would not be surprised if they were reshoots or something thrown in, like, just spice it up. You know, because they, they they are really extremely left field. I mean, honest to God, it's like another director. It is. It looks like a, those, it looks like a second unit. Me. It looks like a, that they... Like, it could be like like David Lynch they hired yes, for a day exactly. or something. You know? so, so it's the only reason that I go, well, maybe that actually... You know what it reminded me of was the actual movie snuff, like watching this whole yeah. other movie <laughs> yeah, and then right. this bat, this crappy snuff yeah. footage, you know, comes out the fake yeah. snuff footage. Yeah. But yes, it. So I don't know. I kind of buy that she didn't know what was going on. It could be. Yeah, I mean, it could be. Or she she had no idea, as you say, to the the extent to which like the movie would stop and have these this yeah. explosion. And then go back to the other movie. Yes, it is so goddamn. Yeah, there there are five different movies. And going so on here. the women are uh, incredibly beautiful, and there's this muscular bald guy. 
who uh, who looks like he'd be in a snuff movie, but like, but like not even like a seventies one, like like one from like now. Yeah, he's a creep. Yeah, with his with his butt and, out, and then somebody is like shooting with a you know a camera, and then by the third one, we see somebody is sitting in the chair, like kind of like chuckling and and paying everybody. And there is no connection made from these snuff scenes to the rest of the movie until late in the film, the uh, hilarious uh, Inspector Hornug, uh, Max Hornug, who's played by Gert Frub of Goldfinger, Mr. Oric Goldfinger himself, uh, is just kind of called in and like, hey, we got we have a snuff film case. And do you remember what the other cop says? Like... After, after they're walking out of the snuff film screen. Uh, what, is, what does he say? He's, well, he, well, well the, the Inspector Hornick says something like, you have to have a strong stomach for that. And the other cop says, and be very sick and very, very kinky. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good line. So, uh, and then, so then we have a, another movie, but at least this one is sort of, is tied directly to the Audrey Hepburn movie, is the Inspector and his computer. His talking computer pal. Yeah, that's and hilarious. the computer has the hilarious voice, the high pitched early vocoder yeah. voice of Cookie Puss from the Carvel commercials. Yes, <laughs> where it's like he's like, ah, computer, has anyone been arrested for uh, stalking recently in Munich? And the computer's like, one minute. <laughs> Yes, Inspector. We have three stalking cases in Munich. You know, you're you're taking just your description. Just hearing you describe it, I'm like, th- this is rising up the charts for me. This as I start to realize, like, this yeah. was pretty fucking great. Like, it was. I, I mean, it's, it's I th- really. I texted yeah, you. We try not to talk about the movies before we talk yeah. on the show, but I did text. I said, "This is yeah." Heaven. It's pretty. It's pretty hilarious. Yeah. And then, so then they fight. There's another funny character, Doctor Emil Yopoli, who looks like Slavoj Zizek. Yeah, <laughs> it's like inventing the miracle drug that's going to make everybody live 100, 150 years. Yeah, and, and um, so, oh, so now, okay. Here's a note: every scene, everybody starts everything with liquor. Well. In both movies, and that was just growing sure. up. It was like, is that that's just how it was? And and also that was like, the, and and also it reminded me, you know, with the Morricone score, with the Italian yeah. scenes, and Claudia Mori, um, uh, who did like Sergio Corbucci movies. She's like uh, Omar Sharif's mistress in the movie. Like, yeah. it's all this like Jallo stuff, and, and yes, very and, and, much. And it really yeah. did make me think, like. I don't know. I I never really put together the really intense influence that Jallo had on the mainstream thrillers of this time. Like Eyes of Laura Mars, I always knew was like a pretty self-conscious Jallo tribute. But this is just, yeah, it's just like it just feels like a Jallo movie the whole time. And that constant drinking, yeah, adds to that vibe. Yeah. And then there's like the other weird, like... um the subplot with Michelle Phillips, where she ends up getting her knees nailed to the floor with spikes. <laughs> yes. And I don't really, I didn't understand where that came from, but still, it was a good, gruesome well, detail. And, and I, I, to just jump to the ending, can, can you explain yeah. to me, too, so just to ruin it, you know, so turn off, you don't want to hear this, but, yeah. but it ends up like, you know, someone's chasing Audrey Hepburn 
through the through the villa. She they they set a fire. She's gonna die. She's trapped between James Mason from her bloodline yeah. and uh, Ben Gazzara, her, her lover. And they're both saying, "No, it's him. He's the killer. He's the killer." And she yeah. has to jump to one of them, and then she jumps to James Mason, and then he's holding in his hand the red ribbon that was used to strangle right. <laughs> yeah. the girls in the snuff films. So it makes you go, oh, yes. see, it was him. But why is he holding that? He's going to choke her. He is going to choke her in the fire? Yes. As they say, he had to complete it's a bad it, yes. plan. That was a bad plan on James Mason. But with the well, cops all watching. Had, he had Inspector Horner with a rifle pointed at him. Like, right. <laughs> it's like terrible plan. Well, he was like, fuck it. I'm going to do this. James, you're, you're the, out of your I'm mind. I'm going to get shot. I'm going to get burned. I'm going to kill Audrey Hepburn with the red ribbon, at least. You're, you're insane, James Mason. You're you're just crazy. That's a bad plan. Now, so, but I mean, and, yeah. Uh, and of course, the James Mason voice always hilarious. Always, always makes me think of Gilbert Gottfried. Always hilarious. Ben Gazzara always uh, makes you think of Gilbert Gottfried, of course. Also, One yes, classic yeah. bits. Yeah. Um, another impressive thing about this movie was like the globe trotting. It, I mean, it's yeah. like Rome, Sardinia, London, New York, Paris. Yeah, I mean, they go everywhere. They spent a lot movie. of money on this stupid movie thinking that it would make a lot of <laughs> yeah. you know i'll tell you one of the actresses i was kind of in i thought i was entertained to learn about was irene pappas who plays omar sharif's yeah. wife and right. i read an ebert thing online where he was just clearly he was just obsessed and in love with her and it was all about yeah. most actresses are girls irene pappas is a woman and and right. it was like uh, and and he said, you know, she has a cult following. So I was like, oh, I this I yeah. gotta find out what that was. And the most interesting thing I found out was she sang for a prog rock band, Aphrodite's Child, that was that oh, was yeah. Vangelis's band. Vangelis, yeah, and, yeah, six six six. The Apocalypse. that's right. Yeah. And it's a song on that album yeah. that was a very controversial yeah. in Greece apparently because the song is it's one of those kind of jetem love to love you baby right. songs where she just simulates an orgasm the whole time so but i i wow. she, she had a fascinating history and and i was like god man ebert ebert seemed ebert's article was basically saying like here are all the unfair reasons she isn't a huge star and uh and he was it was you know when ebert would get behind uh <laughs> Oh, what yeah. was the Willie Nelson movie he saved? Barbarossa. What we always talk Barbarossa. Barbarossa. Yeah. When yeah. He, it was really one of those Ebert passionate like you listen yeah. to me, America. You, Irene Pappas <laughs> must be a star. And you remember the last one he really went to bat for like that was Dark City. Yeah. Oh, he loved Dark City. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It was his best movie of the year, yeah. nineteen ninety eight. Right. Yeah. And and while we're talking about the ending quickly, how much did it crack you up like he tries to kill her. They shoot Jane Mason. She dies, and Ben Gazzara's like, "Jump, jump! I'll catch you." She jumps. <laughs> he she catches her, and it goes the end. <laughs> like the end. I just, I, I just love I did that. The full like what? Lights yeah, up. I get out. The full Everybody th out of the theater. Threw my arms up in the air. Come on, go, said, go. What? Movie's over. Get out, get out. That that just cracked me up. Like what an insult. Like we just wasted two hours for you of this stupidity, and <laughs> now get the fuck the out. Planet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See ya. Yes. There's also a funny moment where he's like, jump, jump, I'll catch it. And then she jumps and he like steps back and he looks like maybe he's not going to catch <laughs> yeah, it. That's true. <laughs> and it was the lamest. And it's not like she's going to hurt him because there's a part, and I don't like to get into this, but, you know, Audrey Hepburn is a petite woman. 
But there was a scene where she's wearing sort of like a see-through dress. And I really, it brought to mind the Mad Magazine sticker, Feed Twiggy. Well, (laughs) you know, I will say it's funny you say that because there's a really good article online. It's on Slant called The Secret Bloodline of Audrey Hepburn that I read. That's And I wish I could credit the writer. I want to say his name was Dan Callis. I think that's right. Oh, we'll we'll look that up. But if you Google it, it's 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 a great article. This guy is really obsessed with Hepburn. And he makes this interesting point in there about how he basically he says how she has an unflattering haircut. She's given an, just how she was yeah. not protected in this movie. And Givenchy did her costumes and how this was a rare case of Givenchy failing to failing with an actress to protect them that way. So so it's interesting you noted that because he was saying yeah. like this was like a. He was basically saying, yeah, this was a, a, a letdown of for for Hepburn. Yeah, and obviously him. Yeah. <laughs> broke his heart. Yeah, it really did. No, it's it. funny. That's the that's the what the article's about. It's about how this movie kind of yeah. shook his faith in his uh icon uh Hepburn. It's it's an interesting piece. It's yeah, it's fun. Wow. But uh yeah, I loved it and I gotta say yeah, of the two, Bloodline is, is way zestier and more fun. Uh, complete smut on my part. Um, but both movies, had I been able to sneak into them at age oh, 9 and 10, respectively. Oh, are you kidding? If I had seen either of these, these on cable, I would have lost my mind. These would have these would have delighted me. Oh, and yeah. uh, they would have been the films I imagined from their posters and movie and uh, newspaper ads. Yep, that's the truth. Yeah, no... They, yeah, no fun, fun to watch. Not one of those, uh, not one of those weeks. Not, not the Bluebird, with Elizabeth no, Taylor. No, you, you know. or all five Brooke Shields movies. <laughs> and by the way, the cinematographer of Bloodline is uh, Freddie Young, and uh, right. this great British Lawrence of Arabia, Doctor Zhivago, and shot the Bluebird, which maybe is one of the shittiest looking movies we've ever. Uh, yeah. You know, you know, you really nailed it with the K. Gordon Murray thing about. Yes. I was thinking about Stinky the Skunk. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> basically being Cicely Tyson in that movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the Bluebird stinks, but in another way. <laughs> to paraphrase Stanley Peary. <laughs> that's right. Regarding performance, which I just saw is on uh, the Criterion Channel this month. Ooh, so. nice. Have you ever? I've you know I got to say I've not ever made it all the way through performance. I don't know that I have either. Uh, and I think there's been more than one attempt on my part. Oh, I, I can think of three. Yeah. And I believe you and I tried it once yeah, together. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Boy, do, and, do uh, I love I, that. I was always hoping it would play a theater where I'd have to be forced to sit there and watch it. Boy, do I love that Memo to Turner song, though. Man, I... Oh, that's the greatest. I listen to that. Please. Yeah, that, that's in heavy rotation All the time. in our house. But, uh, you know, I'd say maybe we should try performance, but, you know... It's the plague time. Let's just have fun. There, there you go. So, uh, so I think uh, I'd like to suggest for next week. So I think this double feature format worked really well. But for next week, I, I'd like to suggest we do the fan, Durfan, and the fanatic with John Travolta. Great. That sounds good. That you, you're on board. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I got my Durfan. We're working on getting Alan McDonnell on on here, and uh, yeah, if this, this is if if we get the proper, uh, if you can get the movie. Um, so, yeah, so uh, that'll be next week, and uh, we'll try to come up with uh, some clever title. Yeah. This this one we're going to call uh, Adults, and then in parentheses, Book Movies. 
Betsy versus Blu-ray. So, uh, uh, Blu-ray. Betsy versus Bloodline. Uh, Bloodline, a, you know, I'm going to say a, a TKO for me, because I, I like the Betsy a lot, too. So, uh, take us out with our catchphrase, would you, Aaron? Yeah, we'll see you next week, and until then, crack or get off the pot. Bye, Mike. Au revoir. Bye.